This is Big Ideas, Birkbeck's free public lecture series, where academics bring their research out to local communities around London, sharing the exciting and innovative work that happens at Birkbeck, and opening up the world of research and universities. The series is organised by Birkbeck's access and engagement team, who support underrepresented groups of people to apply and succeed here at Birkbeck, University of London. This podcast will introduce you to the upcoming talks in the Big Ideas series. Our researchers will give you a preview of what's in store and hopefully entice you along to their event. If you like what you hear today and want to come along, you can find the details on the web link in the description of the podcast. We'd love to see you there. Hello, I'm Sophie Swain from Birkbeck's Access and Engagement team. Thank you for joining us for this month's instalment of the Big Ideas podcast. Today I'm talking to Professor Adam Geary of Birkbeck School of Law. Adam will be presenting the final talk in this series of Big Ideas, taking place on Tuesday the 18th of June at City and Islington College's Centre for Lifelong Learning in Finsbury Park. Adam's talk will explore how offshore trusts are used by the very rich to hide money and assets, and ask why this should be a concern for those of us who aren't millionaires. So thanks very much for joining me, Adam. Um, so would you like to start off by telling us a bit about what you're planning to talk about on the 18th of June? Certainly, yes. I think the, um, I'm, I'm, one of the, the terms in the title is this idea of dark money. Uh, and I, I'm struck by this idea. I think it's a kind of a useful way into an area that's actually quite complicated and requires quite a lot of joined up thinking. I think that's the problem. So the, the primary concern, I suppose, is how... What I'm going to call the offshore industry, and I'm not going to—I'm just going to use almost like a, a common sense definition mm-hmm. of the offshore financial industry. So it includes tax havens, it includes uh, multinational accountancy firms, things like that. I mean, in, in a sense, I'm sure everybody kind of has a grasp of this mm-hmm. stuff in the news. And um, how they—how uh, the idea of dark money or secret money or money that's being moved between borders in a in a well, a borderline legal sense. Uh, again, I, I think that also grasps the key concern here. So the, the, the focus of the discussion, the focus of what I want to talk about, is the way in which the international finance industry serves certain, well, legitimate purposes, investment, yes, certainly, but bound up with that in a quite a problematic way are things like money laundering, tax evasion, uh, and other associated... Um, misuses, I think, of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think if I had to put it on a postage stamp, I think it's that concern with the way in which the offshore financial industry, though it has certain legitimate functions, mm-hmm. there's a problematic sense in which they are bound up with these either borderline uh, activities or things which have a very, very negative aspect, both on the economy mm-hmm. and politics, particularly democratic politics. And I suppose the key idea is, is there an idea of inequality? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how, if you like, I know the, the term is a, a difficult one, you know, a global elite, you know, what do I mean by that? But I think, again, it, it's kind of does a, it's got a, a meaning that I think most people will seize. The, the, you know, the people using, or with the amounts of money mm-hmm. to move, um, are really a global elite or multinational corporations. And I think, quite honestly, it's an issue really about abuse of power mm-hmm. and the impact that has on economy. Mm-hmm. on uh, inequality within nation states and internationally and I think also with uh, politics itself particularly the politics of taxation as a term mm-hmm. that will no doubt <laughs> people feel either incredibly bored or very very excited politics of taxation 
is that helpful? Yeah, I mean, yeah, very, yeah. And and so I'd like to talk a bit more about the implications in a bit mm. more detail in a moment. But I'm interested in um, you've used the word borderline legal. Yeah, yeah. Could you say a bit more about that and, and what, um, how that well, operates? Well, certainly. So if you think of uh, one of the, the difficulties, I think, with this whole area is it's very, very technical. And I think there is a real importance in trying to encourage citizens, you and I, to try and get a grasp of some of the concepts. So perhaps one of the easiest ways of dealing with that is um, there's, a, there's a legal relationship, a trust. Yeah? And, you know, people put money in trust. I think everybody knows what trusts are. And trusts can serve a legitimate uh, 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 use, a legitimate social end if you're managing money, handing money on to your kids or whatever. There's an element of tr- control that trust can give you. However... The trust can also be massively abused, and is, I think, by the offshore industry as a way of basically concealing who owns what, with the obvious idea that if you conceal title to assets or to money, you can do a number of things, one of which, of course, Mm. is to avoid tax. But there are other things as well. You can misuse a trust, let's say, and there's evidence of this, to avoid a court order. There's uh, cases in the States of people who have been run over by a a careless driver who also happens to be incredibly wealthy. The court places a, you know, the, 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 the careless driver has to pay damages to the person injured. But because his or her money is in offshore trust, it's very hard to get hold of. So clearly that's an abuse of a vehicle, a legal relationship that's otherwise, you know, used legitimately. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's more to it than that. But I think that would be perhaps one, hopefully one example Great. that would illustrate the, you know, more general themes. Great, that's really interesting. And um, so what are the, the wider implications then of, of this? I think I want to talk about two, which I've, I hinted at. One is economic and one is political or democratic, if you like. Now, in terms of the economics of it, there's a, there's a number of arguments here, but perhaps, I mean, I mean, perhaps this is a good one because it brings the, the economics and uh, uh, politics together. Some of the apologists, the champions for what the offshore industry are doing, make an argument that it's about tax efficiency. In other words, if the rich can move their money out of a national jurisdiction into an offshore trust, then they move it out of, this is the story, out of the hands of, if you like, tax-hungry, profligate national governments who just want to spend tax dollars and waste it. Okay? So the whole point of the offshore industry, precisely because the rich can move their money uh, and, uh, out of uh, jurisdiction for taxation, is it forces nation-states to tax lightly. Yes, and that, you know, that's superficially compelling to some people. I think the evidence shows, however, the complete opposite, that what we have here, again, is another example, really, of abuse of people who are resident in jurisdictions who, uh, because they already have financial power, because they can pay for expensive lawyers and accountants, can shift their tax liabilities in the sense that most people simply cannot and so this, uh, I think the knock-on to that is also a kind of a race to the bottom. In other words, national governments are being legitimately deprived of tax mm-hmm. revenue, which is used to spend, you know, to pay for hospitals and roads and schools and police mm-hmm. forces. In other words, resources for the, for the common good that all people use. So I think there is something unfair yeah. going on, which brings together, if you like, those, I suppose you could call them political and uh, economic issues. They, they, they dovetail together. And I think you've touched on that um, in, your, in your answer, but to, to uh, draw it out a little bit more, why should this matter to you know, the ordinary sure. public? Um, I think one of the, the, it's a really great question, it's a really good question, because one of the things, one of the risks here is we turn it into a party political thing, which it is to a degree, but I think with any kind of 
uh, I suppose, rigorous thinking about something. You have to be very careful to define your terms, to have the correct figures. And to be honest, if you look at the kind of the way it's discussed politically, I mean, Jeremy Corbyn is as uh, creative with figures as Theresa May. So, you know, there is that. There is a, a kind of cut and thrust of party politics. That is important. Um, I think beneath that, there's a need for a, an informed debate which uses as far as possible unspun figures. I mean, the truth is out there. You know, this is not a kind of the idea that I get an expert who says one thing, your expert says another thing. That I think we can arrive at, as citizens, as people engaging properly with a set of really difficult concerns, I think we can arrive at a set of uh, working ideas that allow us to think politically about economy, about the kind of economies, the kind of societies we want, whether you're, a, I don't know, a socialist or a Republican or a Democrat. I mean, you know, I don't think it fits. It's not like we come up with an answer two and two equals four. I think we come up with a set of concerns about what we want a political system to do, what we want a taxation system to do, how we want to run a market, how we want to run our economies. Those are political decisions which I think, when all is said and done, require informed debate. Yes, it might become party political debate, but unless that is from a basis of, you know, I believe in objective knowledge. I think we can, as far as we, you can prove anything with statistics, we can have informed debates around figures around inequality that perhaps are simply uh, more focused than those that are driven by sound bites and media and the, you know, the cut and thrust of having to say something in 30 seconds on news night. Mm-hmm. And um, you've sort of discussed this idea of power mm. and the inequalities and, you know, the, the power that is being um, used by the sure. rich. Um, how, how do you think the public can be empowered to, to get involved and, and tackle <laughs> these kind of issues? That's, an, that's another great, that's a really great question. And, and I'm going to dodge it because I think there's probably any number of things yeah. that people could do. I think the, um, I mean, if nothing else in trying to put this paper together, I've come across some really sensational websites. And as so, I guess as someone, I think everybody is, you know, in the kind of saturated mediascape where there's so much false news. You know, you want to say, well, okay, we're talking about something that's important. I don't want spun figures. I want to, as far as possible, obtain as objective I can an understanding of a, of a situation. Mm. And I think it possibly starts with that. Now, where that takes you, I mean, I have my personal politics and I know where it has taken me. Um, but I don't think what I, I, I don't think I want to collapse this really into saying, oh, it just comes down to this versus that. I think the important thing uh, as a political thing is uh, to become informed, to think as, as deeply and as profoundly as you can about things and okay one has to end get one might have to appear on Newsnight or whatever but hopefully we're talking about a space and a whatever and a way of thinking and a way of becoming informed which can start with simply looking up a good website you know which I think can sharpen up your politics mm-hmm. and obviously you're a professor of law here at Birkbeck <laughs> yeah. what's the kind of legal are there any legal solutions to this what does the law well, say about this well the, that's another absolutely fantastic question and a very very <laughs> difficult question to answer um, one of the one of the, the Problem. Well, let me start with this. This is perhaps the most direct answer. The, the fi- there was recently a finance bill which would have, well, it failed. Uh, this was about six months ago. It would have imposed on certain offshore jurisdictions like Jersey, where a lot of the finance industry is based, but the City of London is as well. I don't want to become too, too distracted. But the finance bill would have essentially, and I'm being simplistic here, imposed on certain financial actors. Uh, the requirement to make certain things public. So if you think of companies' house, companies, we know, you know within a certain uh, range, we know who is a shareholder in what company. 
So it would have imposed a similar kind of legal requirement for record-keeping, public records. And for reasons of political machination, the bill, the bill never became an act, so it never right. became law. So one of the, the things that different, I suppose, people are arguing for is requirements for transparency, legal requirements for transparency. The argument being, is almost the argument made, you know, if you are a shareholder in a company or if you own a company, it's registered at company's house. Why should it be any different? I mean, I'm aware there's counter-arguments, but, you know, you can still use that as an argument to say, well, there's a requirement if you have X thousands and millions of pounds. We now want to, want to know where they are, if only to show that they're, they're legally invested. Uh, because this all gets then gets bound up with money laundering and terrorism. Been a number of international, you know, the level of international law. There's been a number of interventions, really, around, in the wake of 9/11, right. um, where the Americans, in particular, who were very, I think, resistant to uh, revelations around tax affairs, and as we know, President Trump is visiting London as we speak, and so that whole issue of the secrecy of taxation, I think, is very much. Uh, in the news, the Americans have always resisted that. So there was this under the, under the Bush, Bush regime. Mm. But I think 9-11 was very, the wake, the aftermath of 9-11 was very, very interesting because uh, the Americans acted. And okay, they didn't really want to disturb the very wealthy too much in their secretive mm. affairs. But they did become increasingly to realise, increasingly realised, that there's really no distinction between clean and dirty money. Dark money, I guess, back to the, to the title. These things are incredibly bound up together and so you know there's people have made arguments about the you know the need for transparency transparency or greater transparency in the offshore industry if nothing else to prevent criminal activity which is you know as i said right as we said right at the beginning you know that line between the legitimate and the illegitimate here is often extremely blurred and if nothing else you know let's let's say for sake of argument nobody's doing anything wrong in which case they've got nothing to hide mm, yeah Really interesting stuff, Adam. Um, what, um, what would you, just for those listeners out mm. there who would like to come along um, to your talk on the 18th of June, what would you like to leave them to leave that talk with, or having done? Um, I'm hoping that it, the, the thing, I, I don't know, sometimes you, kind of, you come across this stuff and it might seem quite impenetrable at first regard. And then the more you get into it, the more it seems strangely interesting. You're kind of drawn in. So I think the... And this was, I mean, I'm not an economist. I'm not even very, I've barely got maths O level. So I'm not kind of, it's not going to be about number crunching. Yeah. Um, but the, I think the more I read into this, the more I start thinking about it, a lot of them, a lot of the really pressing social problems, political problems, what have you, are bound up with what would otherwise seem quite obscure, the trust, for instance. Or um, as uh, one of the main writers in this, this area talks about, he's written a book called The Joy of, the Joy of Tax, he says, you know, it's really important that tax is normally that thing that puts people to sleep. Oh, you know, I can't bear thinking about tax, it's so boring. But the, the, one of the, I think one of the things that I've come across here is that, you know, the politics of taxation is of incredible importance. Um, and this is not, you know, how, what's the CGT rate or what have you, you know, not the kind of stuff you go and see your accountant about. But the broader set of concerns, which I think go back to that, almost to me, a question of what, I don't know, find it difficult an informed citizen you know somebody who cares somebody who wants to move beyond beyond false news somebody who wants to think properly mm -hmm. about what's going on so i think if you want to think properly what's going on mm -hmm. about what's going on and you're kind of interested in uh you've been reading the news you know money orders the uh which have just been served i mean there's a lot of press on this stuff so if that kind of stuff piques your interest i'm hoping we can take it a little bit further Brilliant. Well, that's exactly what Big Ideas is all about. So we look forward to hearing from you on the 18th of June. And thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you.